as much as you can be your own authentic self in sexuality and relationships and being empowered. I think it's maybe the most important thing that we can focus on in sexuality and relationships. And it may even be key towards a spiritual path because many people think that presence in the moment, like being present, is about being authentic. And if you can do all of those things at the same time while engaging in pleasure and relating with other human beings, you may be on the right track. (laughs) It sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? (laughs) Totally. This is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. I'm here with Susan Edelman. She's a psychiatrist, and you work at Stanford, right? You teach? I teach. I'm on the adjunct faculty there, so the the voluntary teaching faculty. But I have a private practice. In Palo Alto, Alto. which is near us. We're actually in San Jose right now and discussing all the things about being authentic and sexuality because Susan has written a book. It took you 10 years to write this book. Just about. Be Your Own Brand of Sexy, A New Sexual Revolution for Women, and she's timed it to come out the very moment that Fifty Shades of Grey opening up this Valentine's Day. Exactly. Was that a coincidence? Not exactly. (laughs) I am concerned about Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. I think it's changing our expectations about sex. And I'm concerned about that because 60 years ago, women didn't have as much trouble saying no to sex as they do today. It was more expected for a woman to say, hey, you know, I don't know you very well. This feels awkward. It was more okay for women to say no. And now let's talk about some of the pressures that women experience around sexuality. Women are pressured to be sexy and sexual. Mm -hmm. So not only are we not supported when we say no, let's wait a while before having sex. But now Fifty Shades is actually saying you should say yes to a whole new arena (laughs) of sexual activities. You should say yes to a blindfold and a ball gag and some bondage and all these really edgy things when our culture really isn't set up to make sure that people who are submissive get what they want. In our culture, more often, I think that women do tend to be, you know, more feminine and submissive and, and they don't always feel comfortable voicing their concerns or thoughts or feelings around sexuality. Definitely. Because we don't really talk about sexuality. And it's hard for women to say no sometimes because we are raised culturally to be people pleasers Mm -hmm. and to be considerate of other people's feelings and thinking about other people. So that makes it harder for us to say no than men who are more raised to be strong and independent than we are. Why did you decide to write this book? I have been a psychiatrist for a long time. I was listening to women tell me how they don't get what they want from men. And I was so concerned about how they had trouble saying no to things like casual sex if they wanted a commitment and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And then one young friend of mine told me what dating was like in college. Oh. She. Yeah. The The hookup texting culture. The guys were inviting her over to hang out. Right. And she found out most of them wanted sex, and that was not what she was looking for. Right. So she was actually very brave and bold and could say, this is not what I want. She wasn't a people pleaser. She stood up for herself, but she didn't have a lot of 
dating or relationships right. in college. And this broke my heart because I loved college dating. And I began to wonder what had happened to courtship and romance and thought, this isn't what we had in mind with the women's movement and sexual revolution. We thought women would be treated better when we were seen as equals, right. not that many men would take casual sex for granted. She said, Susan, you have to do something about this. And I was determined to figure out how we got here and what we could do about it. So you're thinking about re-envisioning dating so that you can be your own kind of sexy, your own brand of sexy. What are some of the things that you are recommending to the people who read your book? Well, there are five guidelines to being your own brand of sexy so that you can try and figure out how to do those. What, what, is, what is your brand of sexy? Who knows? <laughs> so if you realize you have a choice, realize that media and peer pressure solutions might not be right for you. <laughs> Maybe. We're just saying, <laughs> think about it. <laughs> and, and the third one is slow can be sexy because mm -hmm. a lot of people think you need to rush into these things. Or at least that's what we get a lot of the time. I mean, and imagine how much better it goes when you actually know the person that you're having sex with. And then it is easier to talk to them and find out what they want and if you're on right. the same page. Right? And if they want the same kind of relationship that you do. You know, I find that if you don't talk about it, how are you ever going to know? And then if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, like, how are you going to even get to the dance of physical intimacy without being able to be emotionally open with them? Exactly. So if you aren't comfortable having the conversation, maybe you're just not ready to have sex with the person yet. And that's maybe. your indication. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And there are more guidelines for being your own brand of sexy. There's two more. The fourth one is your voice matters. And the fifth one if, is a, if a guy isn't respecting your voice move on. Because I think that that's really important in our, our discussion of consent, because if you are feeling uncomfortable having sex with someone, then it's even more important for you to be clear about that and for you to be how you authentically feel. Like if you are a no to having sex, or even if you're a maybe and you're not sure, like really step back and think about that. Because it's important that you're getting what you want, because it's not pleasure unless you enjoy doing it. And I think you're bringing up a really good point, Monica, because it's so important if you're not comfortable just to even say, you know, I don't know how I feel about this. Even if you can't say no, right. let me think about it or something that kind mm -hmm. of gets you a little lead Space. time if yeah. you're not comfortable saying no. We're raised to be pretty and sweet and passive mm -hmm. and dependent and considerate of others, mm -hmm. while men are raised to be strong and independent aggressive and aggressive and, yes. sexual. Uh -huh. And it's, it feels more safe because women get a lot of messages that they're not supposed to be sexy. They are supposed to be attractive, but they're, you know, being, if you're too sexy, then you're a tramp. And so it's this really, like, this really fine line that you have to walk all the time. But you do have to be sexy. Right. Because if you don't, if you're alone for the rest of your life, then you're an unsuccessful woman, you know, and it's kind of puts you in between a rock and a hard place. Exactly. Can you imagine if guys were told they should play with Barbies and should be absolutely must be thin and sexy? Wouldn't that seem a little strange? Yeah. I actually have recently been, I think it was on Facebook that I saw this, but there were some men who were dancers and they were dancing in like four or five inch stiletto heels. And it was really beautiful and sexy and powerful and fierce and awesome. And like also subversive and like men wearing high heels and are they gay, but they're not gay, but they're dancing and it's sexy and ferocious. And so many ways that we can 
transcend what we're supposed to do. And that actually is fierce and sexy and awesome and authentic and surprising and interesting. And so it's nice that we can sort of rebrand what sexy is and what sexy means and what being a woman means and what being a man means. And then you know, take that on for ourselves. So I think it's interesting that you're talking about this branding, how you image something. Why don't we just claim that for ourselves? That would be nice, wouldn't it? And that's part of why I wrote this book, because I want people to know that the culture isn't evil. It's just that we want to be normal. We want to fit in. And so the more we're aware of these influences, we can tease them out and try and figure out what's right for us as individuals. You write in your book that there are a couple of questions, three questions that people should ask themselves before they actually have sex with someone. At first, you know, when you're reading them, they kind of feel like they might come off as awkward discussions or they're pretty negative thoughts about the person with whom you might be engaging in sex. Why do you think these things are important to talk about or to think about even if you're not ready to talk about them with your new partner? That's a great question. I think that We get so many messages in our culture about it's not okay to talk about these things, even though we're supposed to be sexy and sexual, that it's very uncomfortable to have conversations about sex. Mm -hmm. So a lot of parents have trouble telling their kids even today about it, and a lot of people have trouble talking to their partners. We definitely want people to be able to communicate about these things. And I think the other problem that you bring up is that sometimes it feels negative to think, well, what's going to happen bad? To assume about this, that he's right? going to react in a bad way. And if you think about, you know, like to assume that you're never going to see him again, for instance, yeah. that seems really negative. But then the other thing is, is what if he does? And how are you going to feel? So I think it's a good idea for people to think about it just so they can kind of protect their hearts because mm-hmm. we've lost the skill of that in some ways. The message has been, protection is condoms and birth control pills. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of thought about, forgotten about, you know, well, what about Protect your, your feelings. <laughs> yeah, totally. So one of, the, one of the questions she has, you know, how am I going to feel if I have sex with this person and I never see him again? It's one thing to have a date with someone and to maybe kiss them. But if you really never see them again after sex, a lot of people are going to take that very personally. A lot of people in our culture say, well, you're a modern woman. That shouldn't bother you. Why don't you just brush it off and don't worry about it? And I can't tell you how many people I've heard this from, like, what's wrong with me that I'm a modern woman and I get attached and this bothers me? I think women need to know that there's nothing wrong with that. It's normal. We're built for attachment. We're just no longer honoring the way we're built. Because we're thinking that we're supposed to not be thinking that sex and love are the same thing. But we still really feel like it's special because it is special. I mean, even if you're really into casual sex, it doesn't mean that it's not a meaningful moment. Even if you're never planning on seeing this person again, it's not like you're not still experiencing something meaningful and transcendent. It's important to figure out if it's right for you as an individual because so many people think they should be able to pull it off. And then they can't. Right. And And then they have something wrong with them. And one of the other questions that you're supposed to ask yourself before you have sex with a new person is how much I will regret passing on sex if I never hear from him again because I didn't have sex with him. And I thought that was an interesting question because I think I've never regretted not having sex with someone. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Listeners, have you ever not had sex with someone and then thought, oh, 
darn it, why didn't I? <laughs> What's your research say about that? Have you ever, do you hear a lot from women that they wish that they had done, that they had sex when they didn't? Maybe more that they wish it would keep the relationship going. So I think that's the other part of it is women might consider keeping the relationship going, and that would be the way to keep it going. So the question then becomes, if that's the only way you can keep a relationship, is that really a relationship that you want? In general, the research shows that women are more likely to regret things they have done, like they're more likely to regret casual sex, and men are more likely to regret things they haven't done. Mm. So they may be more likely to find that question upsetting. You also talk in this question series about, it's kind of like consent, but, and how do you mean this? Does he want what I want? You probably mean this in both a physical and emotional way. It's not just consent. Does he want to have the sex that I want to have? Well, that's true. But the other thing is what kind of relationship does he want to have? Because I end up seeing a lot of people where they're getting in a sexual relationship and one person wants more of a commitment than the other one does and they never had a conversation to even know that. So it's just important to be able to ask the question and be honest with yourself so that you don't regret the whole thing or have a lot of stress about it later. So you are listening to people's worries and fears and after they have some experience, like they're still processing it and feeling emotions about it. And so you're trying to come up with solutions for people so that they can manage their emotions and sexualities and relationships so that it's not as stressful and troublesome. How do you figure out what's right for you so you make the best possible choices and have the least possible angst going on? So let's talk a little bit more about Fifty Shades of Grey. I, th I think it's interesting that that movie comes out on Valentine's Day because it's it's not really a romantic... I mean, I know a lot of people think, oh, it's so... And he's rich and he's got some nice abs and <laughs> he's, it's so mysterious with his emotions. But in many ways, this is a man who is not like he's so unavailable for a relationship that he can't even like kiss her. You know, he has this whole contract and it's very like it's a, it's a very business like arrangement that they have. And yes, eventually through the three books, they fall in love and, you know, they attain some equanimity, you know, so they they start to become more equal later on in the series. But the beginning, she's never even had sex before when she meets him. She's a virgin. And in the contract, she's not allowed to talk to anyone. And that's a really difficult thing to ask of someone who's never had sex before and who's going to get into such a complicated sexual relationship with someone. So there's an imbalance of power that's pretty great mm -hmm. in this story. And the things that they are doing are so edgy. It's not just regular sex stuff like, oh, you know, I'll hold your hands down, you know, all those things that BDSM is about. And you can do those things in pleasurable ways. But unless you have a safe container, which involves negotiation and safe words and consent, and both people have to really want to do it, rather than it's just in the context of this man is sweeping you off of your feet. And it, it reads a lot like a romance novel. You did a little bit of research um, about the woman who wrote this book. What did you find? She's got some line of paraphernalia. Yeah, kinky toys and coming stuff. Coming out. 
Yeah. I think it's already out in London. I have heard that she wrote this book because she really enjoyed the sexuality of the Twilight series, which was written by someone who's very conservative and I think might have been some kind of religion, like a Mormon or some kind of really conservative religion, and that she really wasn't a kinky person, but she just imagined what what being kinky would be like and then wrote kind of a, a female romance novel around that theme. Like it's the same themes, like a powerful man and they're in a helicopter and he's got really nice abs and she's really pure and virginal. And really the story is like that swept away kind of magical thing where he actually falls in love with her. And even though he's the pirate of captainship and if you've read the romance novels, you've read, you've read the same story over and over. The powerful man comes in, the virgin says no at first, and then, you know, he overcomes her no, and then he falls in love with her, and they kind of live happily ever after. But how often does that really happen in real life, especially when you're not empowered? Well, you have to remember, these stories are fiction. They're a fairy tale. Usually, the best relationships happen when people have an emotional connection first, and they don't lead with sex. So my concern is that here we are glamorizing Fifty Shades style sex, and It's sending a subconscious message to women that if you're not playing by Fifty Shades rules, you're not desirable or you're a prude. Is this the message we really want to be sending women? I say no. (laughs) I say no. Women shouldn't have to listen to that message because, you know, I think it's much better if you're having the kind of sex that you want to be having. You know, if you really feel like you're getting what you want out of the relationship. I mean, if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be intimate then maybe you should not waste your time and break up and move on and have sex with someone who wants the same thing as you. I mean, not just all the kinky sex stuff. Like, maybe you don't want to be flogged. Maybe you don't want to flog him. That's totally okay. You know, find out what you both really like. So what are some of the other things that you talk about in your book? How to talk about sex or relationships or? Well, it's both. So What I want to do is start a new sexual revolution because the old one didn't turn out the way we hoped. The old one promised women more choices, but in a way, women are just as confused as ever because we went from if you have sex before marriage, you're a tramp, to if you're a virgin, you're a prude. We forgot the meaning of liberation, which is the freedom to choose for yourself. I think we need a new sexual revolution that encourages each woman to decide what's best for her regardless of the cultural messages, because we each need to be our own brand of sexy. As we're thinking about authenticity and pleasure and presence in the moment, I think it's really important. And, and we kind of get this a little bit in our relationship with a psychiatrist. You can tell the truth to your psychiatrist and they're not going to judge you. And you can do that with your own personal intimate relationship as well especially to yourself. Be honest about who you really are. And if you can do that with your partner, it's so wonderful. And it can be such a wonderful healing spiritual experience. And also sex that's both physically and emotionally pleasurable, where you're not feeling anxiety and you can really be present in the moment with your sensations. That's the transcendence that you can get when you're in line with, are we both wanting the same relationship and we both want to have the same kind of sex? So what are some of the ways that women can get to this sexual revolution, this empowered place? 
in my book, I have a few chapters on how to get in touch with your feelings and how to look at protecting your heart in a different way. And I have a quiz that helps you figure out what you're doing now and whether it's working for you or what else might be a better option for you. So Mm -hmm. it has different dating scenarios or relationship scenarios. You also have a quiz on your website. Yes, I I have a a smaller version of a, a quiz on the website, too. I remember taking the web the quiz, but now I can't remember what it was about. It kind of tells you if you are ready to be your own kind of sexy. I think I was pink. Is that good? Oh, I think it's flower names. Oh, is it? <laughs> Maybe Rose. Maybe I was Rose. Well, Rose is, is being her own brand of sexy. Yeah, it was a really fun quiz. I would say that sometimes we don't give ourselves enough choices when we're in relationships. And so I noticed that sometimes, you know, one of the responses, like my real response wouldn't have been on the quiz because maybe no one could have predicted what I would have said in that particular moment. But I think especially in relationships, women don't give themselves enough choices to really be authentic and in the moment about what they really want. We aren't teaching young women how to say no to sex gracefully. Oh, thank you for reminding me because that is a big part of the book. So I have one whole chapter on different strategies so you can kind of pick and choose. It's the single woman's 12-piece dating toolbox. So you can decide, you know, which one works for you and why and try them out if you'd like to. So there are ways on how to say no gracefully, say less rather than more Mm -hmm. because a lot of men you can overwhelm them with a lot of emotion. So there's ways to say no that way, as well as what we're talking about, about just not saying yes. Yeah. If you can't say no. I think one thing that you can do is figure out what you are a yes to and lead with that and be real about what you're not into. Because even if that's going to hurt someone's feelings that you're not into it, it's better just to tell them and get that out of the way that you're not really a match on that. And then find out if there is, yes, you would like to make out or, yeah, you would feel comfortable hugging this person or you just want to cuddle or you want to talk. And not the funny kind of cuddling that actually leads to sex, but actually just cuddling. Like, that's okay (laughs) if you're not really into the whole enchilada. You can take whatever steps that you want. And if this person's really interested in a a connection with you, they're going to have to listen to what you really want. That's a great point because... We don't talk enough about what you can do other than have sex Mm -hmm. to be close to someone. Totally. And there's all these different things on the menu. And and that's what I was realizing when I was thinking about sex ed classes when I was a kid. They tell you all about these nuts and bolts of sexuality, but they only talk about like penis in vagina sex. And is that even half of what you actually do when you're experiencing physical intimacy with another person? No, you don't want to start with the penis and vagina. It's like and and we're so goal oriented about penis and vagina sex. So it's like we're like, oh yeah, let's just skip everything and then stick it in. And then you don't really awaken the entire body to the whole experience. And also you're kind of missing out on exploring this moment, whatever it leads to with this other person, by having the expectation that it's sex is only this one thing. When really your connection with this person could be about anything. So it's it's not pacing the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. If that's the expectation, it's not letting it evolve slowly Mm -hmm. and getting to know the person. Well, because you're thinking, okay, these rules in the culture that we have, okay, on the first date, we should kiss at the end. On the third date, we should have sex. I mean, how are you going to know that you are going to feel as comfortable with this person to have a sexual experience with them when 
there's so many variables to sex, like location and your mood. And maybe he's wearing some really crazy cologne that you don't want to get that close to. But otherwise, he seems like a nice person. So, you know, there's all these things to think about when you're starting a new relationship. And that's why the three date rule is pretty restrictive. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't really give someone a chance to get to know. You you can't know someone well enough to know the the answers to all these things in three days. Yeah, especially if they're like a movie date and you're not even talking to them. Especially if you're seeing Fifty Shades of Grey, because that (laughs) movie is so confusing. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine what someone who is just starting out in sexuality, and they think that Fifty Shades of Grey is how to have a relationship, or even how to have a kinky relationship. What is her reaction when he gives her the contract? Well, I think she's confused and torn. She's wildly attracted to him, but she doesn't know what to do with it. It's just mind-boggling. So I haven't read the book myself, but I was talking about this with my friend because it's so perfectly timed with Valentine's Day and our conversation. And it sounds to me like at least she goes through the contract and says, you know, hey, I'm not sure about these things, and I'm definitely not doing that. And so there is, even in this fantasy scenario that this author is putting forth for us, that she does at least negotiate it a little bit, and she does, you know, try to advocate for what she really wants. that's true. And who knows how much negotiation they're going to have time for in the movie. But how it's really supposed to work in a BDSM relationship is the submissive is supposed to write their own contract. It's supposed to totally come from you. It's not what the other person wants to do to you. It's what you would like to have done to you, not from a top-down method, but from you what's bubbling forth in your desires. And so that's way more empowering if the submissive writes their own contract. Definitely. Because then it's not like, oh, do I want... I mean, I don't actually know what they were negotiating about in Fifty Shades of Grey, but it's always something like butt sex, right? Like, do I really want to have butt sex? Is there something else that I'd really like to do other than butt sex? It's it's a different conversation when it's coming from someone to you. You know, if I'm thinking about what I would want to have in a kinky relationship, I'm pretty sure that it, you know, wouldn't involve too much electricity and piercing. <laughs> I mean, all those things are interesting, right? Because it's all sensation. And if it's in the context of an emotional connection that's strong and that you can really trust this person. But if it's not, then it can be really dangerous because they're such edgy things. Um, what are some of the things that they discussed in Fifty Shades of Grey that you thought were maybe potentially dangerous for younger women? I don't know that I'm an expert on all that. But I think that the most important thing I'm concerned about with all that is that the focus is on the sex Mm. instead of on on the prize, which is the emotional relationship. So Mm -hmm. I think we're kind of diverting our focus in a way. Fifty Shades is encouraging us to divert our focus to the sex as though that's the main thing that matters. And that's actually something that we do all the time in relationships and our culture because we're not thinking about the connection. We're thinking about the sex. But we're built for connection. Our bodies are really built for that. And we've kind of are forgetting all about it. We get so focused on our genitals that we're not even thinking about all the other ways that our body is built for connection. We have hands for touching. There's totally 
acres and acres of skin on you that aren't your genitals. You know, there's 50 different kinds of ways to hug and cuddle. We have these special mirror neurons that are all about experiencing the emotions that the person that you're making eye contact with is also experiencing. And so you're right. We are so focused on sex and the goal and what kind of kink, you know, that the people are into when we're not really thinking about what it, what's really underneath even kink is the connection, you know, is the intimacy that's established when you're taking another person consensually through some kind of trial, but it's only sensation. It's supposed to be limited to what you want to do. And that's what makes it really healthy It's about the connection. Of course. I feel like, you know, elementary dear Watson, like, of course, it's about the connection. It's not really about the sex. But then, of course, I have a radio show about sex, right? And it's actually a radio show about feminism and empowerment and relationships. But it's but it kind of focuses on the sex because everyone's always thinking about sex. They say men think about it for every seven seconds. But, you know, how can we think about what we're really doing, which is connecting with another person? How can we make sure that we're getting what we want? How can we make sure that we're getting what we, we want? We've got to not let movies like Fifty Shades change our expectations or change what's right for us. That's the most important thing. The other thing Fifty Shades does is it glamorizes the microwave romance. You know, the... Oh, 30 seconds and boom. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. You know, because these relationships typically explode in your face. You know, this, is, not this movie is fiction. Mm-hmm. So, we need, as women, we need to figure out what's right for us and support other women also in doing what's right for us as individuals. Because there are a lot of areas where women are critical of ourselves about sexuality, about how much we weigh, body image is really tied to other women's views about that. And if we could all be more sensitive to our sisters and less judgmental, we could end up figuring out how to support each other in changing these things so that women have more acceptance and respect rather than judgment and heartache. Especially when it comes to sexuality and relationships because they're so vulnerable for us. You said one of the main themes about your book was women's thoughts about sexuality, women's thoughts about their body, and then also women's thoughts about how they're getting what they want, and that all these things were driven by the culture. Could you say a little bit more about that? Our culture pressures us to be sexy and sexual. Just like in the 50s, women wanted to be June Cleaver, TV's perfect wife and mother, Today, women want to be, you know, like Kim Kardashian, really sexy and that kind of thing. In a way, we're not trying to find the middle ground to figure out who we are as people if we're just following a role model. Right. So I think we've forgotten the message of liberation is how do you figure out what's right for you? Because just fitting into a mold like that, we're not, in some ways, we're not better off now than we were then if we're all trying to be something we're not. And we don't really deconstruct our culture around our bodies and our thoughts around sex. And we don't think, okay, is this thought around sex my own thought? Or is it this culture's thought? Or is it my mother's thought? Or is it, you know, my sister's thought? Or the person who talked to me about, you know, sex for the first time, which, you know, we don't talk about sex enough in relationships to really confront what we want. People always think their culture affects them minimally. We always underestimate how much it's affecting us. But apparently there was some study in Fiji where they brought American media in 
And then they had a, a drastic increase in people with eating disorders. Really? So it's like it just changed. The culture changed by having that influence. Yeah, it's it's funny how we often don't see what the water looked like that we're swimming in because we're totally covered in it all the time. You know, we just don't know, you know, how much the media and our culture's view of sexuality, because it's not just the media. I mean, the media is a reflection of our values around sex as a whole society. We have a lot of shame, and we also have a lot of, you know, ideas about women should be like this, and men should be like that. And maybe someone wants to be different than the idea of what we think we're supposed to be. Well, I don't think the culture or the media are evil. It's just that we all want to fit in, Mm -hmm. and that's the trouble, is we can't think. Even though we value individuality, I think in our culture, we still want to fit in. And sometimes we don't realize how we're sabotaging mm-hmm. that individuality. So you said that you researched a little bit of the previous sexual revolutions. So not just the 60s, but there were revolutions in sexuality before the 60s. I just read some books on the 20s. Well, there's... Those women were liberated. But I think that apparently, even though many women in the 20s were having sex before marriage, it was mostly with the guy they ended up with. So I may not have been quite as risque as today. Yeah, I wonder about that, because I think the history of sexual revolutions is probably pretty important, but we also don't even realize that there was a revolution even before the 60s. Most most people don't. Like, they didn't know that about the 20s or the kind of the Victorian. Re- Mostly the Victorian was really oppressive. But there was a revolution inside the Victorian times where people were rebelling against the Victorian teachings. Wasn't there some phrase like, lie back and think of England, and that's what you were supposed to do while having exactly. sex? Like, that is not a liberated <laughs> position, you know what I mean? So, like, how can we be more empowered, and how can we be more of who we really are in sexuality? And I think that's a really important question to ask ourselves when we're getting into new relationships or even in an old relationship, because I think it's really important when you're your own self authentically, you can really be more present to your partner. You know, and I'm not sure it's just when you're getting in a relationship. These are the kind of things that women in the 60s talked to each other about so they could become more empowered. I mean, that's how the women's movement got started, right? Women were going, hey, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting what I want in this situation. What's going on? How's our culture affecting us? Mm -hmm. So I think the more women talk to each other about what's going on and what they want to see happen, the better. One of the big catalyzing forces of the women's movement were the women's circles, where they talked to each other about the real issues that were facing them. And so communication is really huge, talking to other women honestly. And you have some thoughts and feelings about how women treat each other in this book as well, like how we can be more supportive. Have you seen the series Mad Men? Um, mm-hmm. Christina That's Hendricks, huge. that mm-hmm. gorgeous, voluptuous siren. And women are calling her fat Mm. just because she's not a size zero or two like the rest of the women in Hollywood. And this is a perfect example of how we, as women, judge ourselves and other women that is not good for women. And it's not really healthy, especially thinking about what your body looks like when you're having sex is totally taking you out of the moment and your sensations. And you're not even respecting your partner's turn on of you. You're thinking, no, I'm gross. 
<laughs> and he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Women want to be thinner than even men want them to be. So we're missing something here mm-hmm. because we're so hard on ourselves and our sister. Well, I really love what you're creating, your new revolution, being your own kind of sexy, being your own brand of sexy. If there's just one thought that you could leave with women that would help them move forward into their next relationship or the relationship that they're already in, what would that be? Join the revolution and be your own brand of sexy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, psychiatrist Susan Edelman. And you can find her book, Be Your Own Brand of Sexy, A New Sexual Revolution for Women. I'm sure Amazon. It's on Amazon, or you can look at my website. I have some information on my website at beyourownbrandofsexy.com. And you can take the quiz. And you can take the quiz. And there's some other, a lot of the things we talked about. Are the, on the guidelines blog. and the questions. The, yes. And, yes. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Thank Susan. Thank you so much. You can subscribe to Sexploration with Monica on iTunes and have new episodes delivered automatically. Or download free podcasts at sexplorationwithmonica.com.